And we are live. Yes, sir, everyone. It is a nice Tuesday morning here in New Jersey. Welcome to Game Breakers. You know it's your guy, Edwin, here bringing the stuff, all the great analysis with sports and more basketball talk. I told you guys I was bringing more basketball talk. And once again, we are here. More coverage for the playoffs, more news, more analysis. But this time, I got a secret surprise for you. Not really secret anymore. Because my man Mike is here to give his take on everything playoff-related and all the sports news. My guy, Mike, what is going on, brother? What's going on, EJ? Good morning. Good morning. I just want to say thank you for inviting me onto the show. I appreciate it. It's not only an honor, but it's also a privilege to be here with you, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yo, it's your first time being on the show, right? Yes, man. And I'm very excited. I'm also got some nerves going, you know what I'm saying? But I'm here, man. I'm here. Hey. Hey. It is what it is. You know, I knew that bringing Mike on the show would be a great thing because this guy knows his stuff. When it comes to basketball, football, he knows his stuff. You feel me? Mike, I know, but they don't know. What's your favorite team in basketball and football and why? Oh, man. You trying to put me on the spot already, man. man. Everybody got to go on the spot one time. (laughs) Oh, man. But, you know, basketball, man. I'm going to start off with football first because basketball, I'm a little embarrassed to say my team football. You know what I mean, man? I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Ooh. I know, I know, I know people going to hate that one, you know, Dallas. But, you know, can't go wrong with America's football team, bro. Can't go wrong. I mean, what will go wrong with them will go wrong. But hey. uh, with the with basketball, man, I'm a Knicks fan, diehard. Diehard die Knicks fan. Die hard Knicks fan. I believe RJ Barrett is the next Michael Jordan, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's a first. That's a first. <laughs> Yo, I had never heard that before. That's crazy. Nah, man, I'm a Knicks fan. Die hard. Been watching them since I ever was able to watch basketball, bro. Since uh, when they had uh, Gallinari up until when they had Uncle Carmelo with Stoudemire and Shumpert, man, in 2013, 2012. And then ever since then, it's been bad years for us. But you know, gotta stay with the team. Man. Stay with the team. So, so how did you feel when you guys made the playoffs last year? What was like your feeling for the first time in a long time? Uh, I felt so much excitement, man. I was I from to go from what we had two years ago with a terrible team, no production on any end of the floor, to making the playoffs, finishing in the East in the fourth seed. Oh, man, I was excited. I was talking trash to everybody. I was letting everybody know we're here on Stephen A. Smith. We're here in New York stand-up. New York stand-up. And it, it was just a great excitement, man. I watched every single playoff game, and then we just got dropped off by Trey Young. <laughs> hey, man, it is what it is. We It all happens to us. But Trey Young... Don't worry. This year, we got that taken care of just for you. Just say it. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Hey, hey. No problem, bro. No problem. I just do what we do. You know what I'm saying? The heat, heat culture is it. But speaking of the playoffs, Trey Young, let's get straight into it, man. Because I know you've been watching the basketball uh, daily and the playoffs here and there. So far, how do you like the playoffs and the, and the first round series? How's it been for you? Uh, in playoffs in general or the Miami-Atlanta matchup? In general, in general. In general? 
Man, the play this has been one of the most exciting playoff series in basketball that we've seen in a really, really long time. The first round on both conferences has been very, very interesting. I think it's showing the world that teams can fight back. We can fight back, teams can win. And I think defense has been a really big emphasis on every team in the series in both conferences. Like I said, it's exciting basketball to watch. I love every minute of it. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. So, you know, in regards to uh, the first round, which has been your favorite series to watch thus far? Oh, man, it was the Celtics and the Nets series by far. By far. By far. I think that was the most interesting series to me. Just just because I think I liked watching Kevin Durant be exposed on national television. Okay. That he's not what we we really, really think he is. And I guess we'll get into that when we get into that. But that series has been good. I think it's showing that Jason Tatum and the Celtics, they're just a team. Hmm. Their, their chemistry is 100%. They're, they play on both ends of the floor hard. And, man, it, that was just a great series to watch. Really great series. All right, so, so let's get into it then, right? right. With the, the Celtics and the Nets. Obviously, the Nets got swept last night. Um, what was your main takeaway from that series? I know you spoke about Kevin Durant, uh, pretty much getting exposed. Kyrie got exposed too in that series, but for you, was that the main takeaway, or did you have another takeaway that you thought outshined the rest? Mike, did we lose Mike? Oh, my bad. Hello, you hear me? Yeah, we hear you now. We're back. We're All back. Right. So- yeah. I think I think my the biggest takeaway for me that series was just how the the Nets were getting exposed on their defensive end. Mm. You know, it shows that the Nets the Nets can't play a lick of defense, EJ. They can't they can't stop a parked car. They they just can't play defense, man. It's 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 just being exposed. I mean, and it's also showing the lack of chemistry as well. Yeah. You know. Katie and Kyrie, I think they only played like 50 games together out of the 247 they were projected to play. Mm. I mean, their, t- their paint defense was also terrible. They allowed 44 points in the paint, EJ. Mm. 44 points. Like, it's just, it's just bad, man. I mean, Kevin Durant was just getting phys- – were- the, the Celtics defense was really physical on them, and I really like that the, the, um, the refs were allowing them to play physical. They're allowing him to play hard, and you know, KD man, he's he averaged he averaged the same amount of turnovers as field goals made this series, bro. With six, six turnovers and six field goals per game, hmm. like it's just bad. And then my biggest takeaway though, because honestly, in my opinion, I feel like the Nets should have won last game, but the where their loss was was with Claxton. Claxton cannot shoot free throws. At all, he he shot zero of ten, zero of ten. It, it, it's just bad, man. It's bad. I think in one point in the game, he missed two straight free throws that would have given the Nets momentum. I think they would have cut the lead to one. They were on like an eight to zero run or something like that, and they would cut the lead to one with those free throws, and he missed both of them. And I mean, it just shows to me that the Celtics are playing great defense, and it just shows that. The series as a whole is great defense, but Claxton, mm. man, those free throws, big, big <laughs> those goals. free throws. I think he made one in the game, though. I'm not too sure, but 
I think he made one after missing ten straight at one point, but he definitely was atrocious from the free throw line last night. Definitely was that. Terrible, bro. Terrible. If I'm the Nets, I'm locking him in the gym for an hour until he comes out making 100 free throws. Hey, he has all the time to, to do that now because they're going <laughs> home. Go home. Send it packing. And it's funny because I look at this Nets team and the way it was constructed. And, you know, first off, it went from hiring Steve Nash, who we'll get into later, but went from hiring Steve Nash to having first a team that I thought was actually capable of competing and being that fear factor mm. for the East. You know, they had Torian Prince, Jared Allen, you know, mm. Kevin all those guys back when they first formed, you know, and then mm. you decided to trade for James Harden. You trade mm. away your other uh, key pieces, your role players. They all go to other places and flourish, right? Mm. And then we have the likes of James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie by themselves at that point. Um, not really too much team depth. Then we trade away James Harden. <laughs> then we get Kyrie and KD to get Ben Simmons. Another failed experiment. But oh, it's just man, been a is... whole revolving door of, of nonsense. Really much nonsense. That I, I never believed in. You know, I, yeah. I, I really stand firm in that. That I never really believed in the likes of the Nets contending, yeah. despite what people may have said about them being the best team. I never saw it. I just never saw it. I'm on the same train as you, bro. Same train. So, I mean, in I... regards to Steve Nash... Is he the worst coaching failure for you in the history of the NBA? Or is he at least top five? How are you feeling about Steve Nash right now? I think where I stand with Steve Nash, I feel like he didn't deserve to be a head coach in general. At least not yet. Maybe assistant coach. But regardless, he got the head coach position. I think, Like you said, I think that probably is one of the – the worst hirings, not because Steve Nash is a bad basketball person. I mean, he's one of the best point guards in, of our generation. Yes. So he knows his basketball. I just think that that wasn't the team for him. I think he doesn't have a strong enough voice to lead such characters like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I mean, as you saw in the playoff in the series, I mean, they were just running isolation ball the first three games because the coaching was bad. He didn't know how to tell those guys how to coach or what to do. You know, I don't think they were really listening to him. So, I would say it is a it was a big failure for the Nets. I mean, he's gone. He's gone. I don't see any scenario where the Nets come back next season with Steve Nash as their head coach. Oh, we had a fire in for Steve Nash over here. A first vote. All right. Yeah, man. First ballot, bro. He's he's gone, bro. I don't see him staying. There's no way. There's no way. Okay. All right. So coming into this series, we saw that Jason Tatum would have to uh, pretty much amplify his play if he wanted to at least find a way to eliminate the Nets in the first round, which he definitely did. He played phenomenal in pretty much every game so far. Um, mm-hmm. How much of an impact was that in regards to, you know, last night's performance? Because obviously he got fouled out. I'm not sure if yeah. he reviewed the call or not, but, you know, his last call was pretty much terrible for him to get fouled out. Um, mm-hmm. and received the sixth foul. But as far as the way he performed the whole entire series, how crucial was that for the Celtics to dethrone, quote-unquote, <laughs> not even dethrone because they never had to throw in the first place, but how crucial was that for the Celtics to sweep the Nets in the first round this year? Um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was very crucial. I mean, Jason Tatum knew that this was a big stage that he was playing on in this series. I mean, 
not only is he playing in the playoffs, which is a big stage for anybody, but he's going against the Nets. You know, like I said, this was a team that was projected to win the championship. I think Vegas had been winning the whole thing as number one. I mean, so there's a lot of pressure on Jason Tatum and the Celtics to beat this team or at least go six or seven games. And they ended up bringing out the broom and sweeping them. I mean, Jason Tatum had a great series. Uh, he averaged 29.7 points per game on 44.4% from the field. I mean, that, 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 that's not a superstar right there. If not a superstar in the making, I don't know what is. I mean, he showed up every single game. And he was playing Kevin Durant really well whenever he got on him. I mean, Jason Tatum is just showing us every day, man. He's a superstar now. Like, the future is bright with Jason Tatum. The future is bright with Jalen Brown. I mean, I don't even, I don't know if we were going to get into that in general. I mean, like, the, the team the team itself, the Celtics, as they're constructed right now, is the best team in basketball. I'm sorry. They're the best team in basketball. Best team in basketball. That's my take. They're the best team wow, in basketball right now. I mean, take. look at it. Look at it. They play as a team, man. They play as a team. That chemistry is there. They play great defense. They hustle. They pick up their man's assignments. They hold each other accountable. Whenever one screws up, everyone says, pick your head up, bro. It's okay. Just do better next time. I mean, if that's not a championship team right there, uh, like, and that just shows, like, look at the Celtics and everything I just said, and then look at the Nets. Do you see any of that in Brooklyn? Uh no, except for the star power that they have. That's about it though. But they don't really have the defense, yeah. the chemistry, the coaching, but, which is all important. Exactly. But last time I checked, basketball is a five man sport. It was not a one man or two man sport. It's a five man sport. Hmm. And that just shows that Jason if you look at it, right? Jason Tatum, man, he I think he's an underrated defender as well. Yes. I think he's a very underrated defender. I mean, he's like six ten, long arms, able to move fast with his feet. Here he has the footwork. I mean, like like we were like you asked me, man. Jason Tatum, superstar in the league, great series. I mean, I think going into the next series that they play, he's gonna show up again. But this time, yeah, I think he has a little bit harder competition with uh, the reigning Finals MVP Giannis. But if they if they beat the if they beat the Bulls, which I see them doing. But to your point, Jason Tatum, man, great player, superstar. I'm so excited to watch him play more. Yeah. All right, and just before we move on, I just want to tell the people out there listening that coaching matters a lot. I mean, you you see how in his first year of head coaching, Ime Udoka was able to out-coach and pretty much take the entire Brooklyn Nets offense away from what they do best, which is ISO ball, um, just getting KD and Kyrie into their spots. They saw none of that in the first round. And Steve Nash, a guy who just got the head coaching job, nothing against Steve Nash, like Mike said before, but a guy who got the head coaching job, not even being an assistant head coach at one point. Emil Duca was a guy who learned from the bench. He sat there, which is why it's so crucial. And even times in the playoffs, that can give you the edge over a team that has a better team than yours. And that's why we saw the Nets get sweeped. Get swept, <laughs> get sweet, get swept. But anyways, that's out and four. Celtics move on to the next round to face, uh, presumably the the Bulls. Just kidding, <laughs> the Bucks. <laughs> Yo, before we jump into that, actually, let's talk about the Raptors and the Seven Sixers. Raptors win last night, one hundred three to eighty eight. Um, a team that has won two straight after being down three zero and has not done that since 
the 2015 bucks, I believe. That's crazy yeah. when you think about it. Now, when you see how much pressure there was on the Raptors to at least keep this game competitive, and they just blew out the marks. They came out with so much energy. This is what you want to do as a road team when you're on the road, right? Just come out with energy, put your stamp on the mark, and find a way to get the crowd out of the game, which they did that from the start. I mean, yeah. seriously. What did you see from that game that made you believe the 76ers are in trouble? Uh, they're, they're attacking. They're attacking Joel Embiid, man. They're attacking Joel. I, I, I saw that – well, one – I think the big thing, which alludes to your point you just made, I mean, coaching matters, right? Nick Nurse is adjusting to what the 76ers have and what they're doing, and they're doing a good job. I mean, Nick Nurse is spreading the floor out now this series. He's playing five out and having the, the Raptors attack yes. the, uh, the 76ers. And they're, they're, they're running Joel Embiid into the ground right now. I understand he has that hurt thumb and all that stuff, but they're also making him work on defense. They're taking him off the dribble a lot and attacking him, attacking him, attacking him, which just shows, you know, Nick Nurse knows what he's doing. I mean, the brother just won a championship a few years ago. I understand it was with Kawhi Leonard, a whole different situation, but still, I mean, if he's a good coach, great coach. And I think I think my main takeaway in terms of coaching from this is that Doc Rivers, bro, he, he's in a lot of trouble. I don't know if you agree with me on that. He's in a lot oh, of trouble. I agree. I mean, He's about to sell another 3-0 lead, man. Another one. And who, who do you have winning game six? Oh, the Raptors, yo. Listen, to be honest, Philly's in trouble. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm calling a game seven right now automatically. Because mm-hmm. if you saw the way they played, and what people didn't realize last night was that Fred VanVleet didn't play. Not Fred VanVleet didn't play, and they ran Scott Barnes at the point last night. And you saw how much defensive flexibility that led to the Raptors being able to use in hopes of trying to win last night's matchup, what they did, right? You saw yeah. Scott Barnes defending on the perimeter. VanVleet can't do that. And people were thinking that VanVleet would be a big loss, so that actually was a blessing in disguise. I'm not saying he's not an important player to the Raptors, but Scott Barnes at the point – Gave them a lot of flexibility, a lot of switching, and you just saw the Raptors take Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey out their games, respectively, right? Tobias Harris out their games. That wasn't it for them last night. And you saw the crowd booing. You saw everything getting into it. And when you see all these factors running in, you look at the person who's running the ship, Doc Rivers, who has blown multiple 3-1, you know, been up by multiple times, blown those leads. He might make history. He might be the first coach to blow a 3-0 lead. I've never seen it be done before. Where a team yep. that was down 3-0 come back to tie the series, and I'm already calling game seven because I know the Raptors. In Toronto, it gets loud out there. No Matisse Thibault yeah, either. Exactly. I was just about to no, say no Thibault. It's going to get real bad. And you know what, man? I think this is just showing us again, man. James Harden does not show up in the playoffs. He doesn't show up when it counts. Mm. He does not – EJ, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say some things to you real quick. James Harden, he, he shot 9-28 the last two games, man. Terrible. 9-28. He's 12-31 within 10 feet of the basket. Mm. Averaging 18 points per game on 37%. This is not, this is not what superstars do. Superstars, especially you want it, you want it out of Houston. 
You won it out of Brooklyn. You got to the team that you wanted. You got the center. You got the MVP of the year, in my opinion, in Joel Embiid on your team. You guys are supposed to be the next, quote-unquote, from what people are saying, the next Shaq and Kobe. And now you're in the first round against the Toronto Raptors, averaging less than 20 points per game on 37% from the field. I don't want to hear that anymore from James Harden. I don't want to see it. I don't know if his hamstring injury affected the way he played because he doesn't look explosive no more. I don't know if you're watching him. He does not look as explosive. He doesn't look as athletic as he used to when he was on Houston. And it's just showing that James Harden, just he's, he's a choke artist, man. He's just a choke artist. That's all it is. Indeed. And, you know, going back to last night, James Harden was, was a minus 10, which means that when B sits and you would want James Harden to run the offense, it may not be the best situation for you to do so because he has been atrocious. And last night he had five turnovers. He didn't look inside the game. And, you know, as you just said before, he has not looked the same way since he left Houston. Uh, and, you know, yeah. he had that little stint where he was playing like an MVP in Brooklyn. But aside right. from that, I, I, if I'm feeling I'm worried because I know we're coming back for a game seven. I know it. I, there's no reason why I might really take it is that the Raptors will win game six. But there's no way I, I can see them losing and the Philadelphia fans not being worried about last night's performance and the upcoming performance in Game 7, because it's coming back for a Game 7. Believe that. Exactly. And I think I think, I think, think what Harden needs to do, what he needs to understand is that your role now, since you're not on a team where you're the star player and everyone else is a bunch of scrubs, your role now on this team is to get your teammates going. All right? I understand that you still want to put your numbers up, this, that, and the third. I get all of that. But you got to understand, when Joanna Joel, B's hurt, he, he's a big dude. Big men, speaking from someone who used to play the big man position, we get tired. You, do, mm. you know, you, we get we get tired after mm. working a lot because, you know, we're the dude responsible for the rebounds, for holding down the paint. And especially in Joel Embiid's case, he's, he's the primary scorer, the primary ball holder, and everything. He's the MVP, right? So James Harden has to realize that, all right, when Embiid sits down or when Embiid's getting tired, I have to get my teammates involved. That's your job, no matter whether you think you're a superstar or not. When you're playing basketball, it's a team sport. You got to get the teammates involved. Because then, once you get Tobias Harris involved and Tyrese Maxey and Danny Green and Embiid and everybody else, you're going to start getting one-on-one because now the defense has to worry about them. That's when you can get your buckets. That's when you can get your star power growing again. And I don't think Harden is realizing that. I don't think he's he's built for this playoff mentality anymore, bro. Honestly. And then, like I said, the Raptors are playing great. They're doing a great job. I mean... This is going to be a rough series. I mean, especially going to game six, no thigh bull. Oh, man. Game, game seven's on the way. And I think the six – I can't even safely say the six is winning game seven hmm. at home. I, I can't. I can't say that because they're, they're selling. They're selling really bad. I think this is going to be an interesting series to watch. I think game seven is going to be a must-watch for most basketball fans. And, yeah, I, I, James Harden – Mm-hmm. It's tough indeed. I mean, I, I look at the Raptors, and I've been saying this for a while now, that for them to win, you know, because in the beginning of the first two games, playing really sloppy, didn't really have that focal point of offense, you know, that I was expecting, which is Pascal Siakam. I said to myself that he needs to drop at least 30 points for them to win. Now, the last game that they won, at least in Toronto, he dropped 37, I believe, at that point, or something like that. Um, You know, but... When he's not dropping 30, you have to have production other ways, right? 
and pressure to chew off the bench, 17 points was a big boost. And we all know that the Raptors don't really have that team depth anyway. But for them to be able to have a chew off the bench, 17 points, Gary Trent finally get going. He didn't shoot that well last night, but he had 16 points. You know, Scott Barnes running the point. He was a big, massive boost for the team since returning from injury. And obviously, OG, who's been hampered, who was supposed to be hampered in this series, has been steadily productive from games one through five. Now, I just see them scoring as a cohesive unit that doesn't allow them to really need to have a focal point on offense to win the game, especially in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I, nothing you said was wrong, bro. I mean, everyone on the Raptors is producing so far. I mean, they had five players in double digits last night. Um, like you said, Scott Barnes is doing a great job. I mean, you look at this Raptors team mm. from, from from who's been playing in this rotation, you don't see a single all-star in there. I mean, Pascal Siakam is a questionable. I mean, one day he is, one day he isn't. But I think this is just showing, like I said, man, Nick Nurse is a great coach. Everyone's getting involved. You know, the Raptors don't have someone on the team that can give you 30 a night in the playoffs like a Devin Booker or Giannis Antetokounmpo. But that doesn't matter all the time when you have your teammates playing as a team. You know, you guys are playing together. You guys are getting the ball moving, making making your shots when they count. I mean, Nick Nurse is doing a great job with this team. And, I mean, if, when they go back to Philly for that game seven, if they win tomorrow or if they win in game six, I mean – this is going to be great. This is going to show, man. <laughs> this is just going to show. I mean, I feel so bad for Embiid right now because he's been putting I, up I great numbers talk. throughout all the controversy that's been going on the last year. He's been putting up great numbers. He's doing his thing. He was leading the Sixers. And then you trade for James Harden. You get the dude that everyone thinks is going to make the team, the championship team. And then they're just, they're just flopping right now. Do I think that they can get it together before the series is over, before they go back to Philly? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Doc Rivers has to understand that you gotta you gotta tell Harden. I, I, did you see? Did you see the post game uh, interview last night? Yes. What Joel B said about uh, Harden and Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. I agree with everything. He, I agree with everything he said when he said it. Do I think he should have said it to the media? No. Probably not. But, probably not. But I think he, he said everything right. James Harden has to get more shots up. He had eleven shots. I understand he's shooting bad, but shit, man, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna produce at like a really good level shooting only eleven shots and that and you're making four. I mean, at least put some more up. You can't you can't have less shots than Tyrese Maxey. You can't have less shots than Tobias Harris. You know what I mean? And only mm-hmm. one more shot than Andy Green if you're gonna be considered a superstar making all this money. So It'll be an interesting series. It is. So, uh, so are you calling the game seven? I'm calling game seven. I'm calling game seven. Game six is gonna be easy dub for Toronto in uh in Jurassic Park. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jurassic <laughs> Park. Jurassic Park about to be wild in game six. <laughs> hey man, I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at it. So, know. a game that was also a blowout last night. Talk about the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. Um. You know, Mavericks blocked the Utah Jazz at home, 102 to 77. And you saw, once again, Luka drop another 30-point piece um, and 13 rebounds as well, too. But what I was saying to people uh, prior to, you know, Luka coming back was that this team would look drastic without him. And they proved that in a good way because they were able to push the pace. And, you know, Jason Kidd has had this 
this five out scheme that allowed his guards to create mismatches and to exploit the deficiencies defending one on one of Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside and what's on there and whoever they throw at you, to be honest, because they really couldn't stay in front of their mans at that point. But Luca comes back, then you know, we see this slower kind of style of offense it's still dangerous but it allows the utah jazz to really take advantage of it because i believe that the mavericks were learning to adjust back to luca running the helm and that played a role as to why the jazz won game four game five comes and i, I knew they was gonna lose that game like there was no way you know because this was the piece that they were missing before and Luca creating so many other mismatches and finding ways to be patient off the screen has helped them. And that led to the blowout victory at home and taking the three to two series. What have you seen so far that has led you to believe the Utah Jazz are in trouble? Aside from maybe the uh, the one on one defending, have you seen anything else that has led you to believe that they are in trouble this series and that they won't win game six at home? I mean, Ah oh, man, it this is hard because you know Luca is such a great player. He's gonna beat any team one on one on the perimeter, but mm. like like the Jazz just had no pro- they had no productivity last night. No productivity. They shot thirty seven percent from the field, and I think to your to to your question, what I'm seeing is that Donovan Mitchell needs to get out of Utah. That's what I'm seeing, to be honest with you. <laughs> but in terms of the series, I mean, it's that it's that small ball that Jason Kidd is running. He knows what he's doing. And maybe we should just name this this entire show today as Coaching Matters. That's what it should be because coaching matters, man. And Jason Kidd, he's playing small ball against the Jazz. He's having them go against their center. Rudy Gobert can't guard anywhere outside of 10 feet from the basket. It's, it's over if you get him out there in the island. And even in the paint, I mean, Luca cooked him in the paint. <laughs> so That's very true. I, I mean, other than what you said, I mean, Hassan Whiteside, I mean, he's not really giving them much. Rudy Gobert with five fouls. Mike Conley. Mike Conley, man, we need to, they need to talk about him more, bro. He can't be making all this money like this and only getting four points in the playoffs. He can't be making money like this and only and never producing ever in his career. Mike, I, I, I'm just I'm just very disappointed with Mike Conley right now. I don't want to speak about him. I'm not, even gonna, I'm not gonna say a word about Mike Conley. Like I already gave my shares about how I feel about him right now. But listen, this guy <laughs> has been playing atrocious. And I think the big X factor in in this series, and especially last game, was was Bogdanovich, bro. 28 minutes, not a single field goal made. Mm. Minus 37. Donovan Mitchell, 415, minus 38. Their best player last night was Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Not That's good it. Enough. Not good. I mean, they're just not good enough anymore. I think uh, Kendrick Perkins said it best on first take the other day. Their regular season, their regular season and chill team, man. They do great in the regular season, and as soon as the playoffs come around, they sell. They, they they become soft. They don't become aggressive. And Dallas is just destroying them. I mean, Jalen Brunson has showed us this series that he's a he's going to be a good player in this league. J- Luka Doncic is just showing us that he's the next best thing in the NBA. I mean, this dude's going to win probably MVP in the next two three years. <laughs> and I think what nobody's been talking about to me, in my opinion, is that the the Mavericks 
ever since trading away Porzingis, have been one of the best teams in basketball. I don't know if Porzingis was a locker room cancer. I don't know if he if he just couldn't fit into their schemes that they wanted to run. I mean, ever mm-hmm. since he's been gone, the, the Mavericks have been they've been prospering. And I mean, their defense as well. I mean, they held the Jazz at seventy seven points. That's like nineteen seventies numbers right there. It is. It's seventy seven points in the game in the playoffs. Getting blown out by twenty five. That's just bad. I think the Jazz, they lose this next game, and then they got a lot of things to do offseason. I mean, Quinn Snyder, what are you doing? I understand Rudy Gobert is your all-star center, right? Do you, do you know how, do you, do you know Rudy Gobert's contract off the top of your head? I think it was like $200-something million. Um, I can look up while you're, while you're speaking. Yeah, I think, I think he had like the best – he has like the, the largest contract for any NBA center that ever existed. NBA centers. We're talking Shaq, Kareem, Wilt, Bill Russell. This dude has made the most oh, money yeah. out of everybody. Rudy Gobert. And he... he like, it's five on, years, man. $205 million. Five years, $205 million. Like, come on. He didn't have a... I'm not even going to say Gobert had a really bad game last night. I mean, he had 17 and 11. That's not too shabby. I think the five personal fouls is what is doing it for him. But um, he can't guard anything. He can't guard anything outside the paint, and I think that's what the Mavericks are exposing. They're 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 exposing that side of Rudy Gobert. They're taking him off the dribble, and there's nothing that the Jazz can do about it. Because not only can the Mavericks shoot the ball, they also like you can't. So you can't help Rudy Gobert when they take him off the dribble. You know what I'm saying? So the Jazz, the Jazz, the Jazz got a lot to work on. I think they're missing few more small pieces. I think their biggest their biggest thing they're missing though, man, is Joe Ingles. I think Joe Ingles is a big piece that they're missing now. Yeah. You know, he was in their playoff runs that they've had, Joe Ingles was a big spark. He makes the big shots. He makes the the contested threes. He spreads the floor better for them on offense. And ever since he's been gone, I mean it's just never been the same for them. So Utah's got a lot to finish. And a lot, I mean, not, not a lot to finish. They have a lot to figure out coming up. So it's funny you mentioned that yeah. because it's like every year there's, there's always an injury that prohibits Utah from really challenging and mm-hmm. making a deep playoff run. You know, the year before it was Bogey with the finger injury or the wrist injury, I believe. The year after that, it was Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. playing hampered. This year is Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. You know, but sometimes I feel like we, we have to stop with these um excuses for this team they're just not oh, yeah. built for their postseason it's just not they're not this there's no excuses man no excuses at all i think like you said i mean every year they've had they've had injuries right but you still i mean they they just gotta they gotta they got a lot to figure out man a lot to figure a lot out. to figure out Dallas, Dallas and six Dallas and six and before we move on i just want to say this right before uh, Utah, or after Utah won game four, and it seemed like they were back into the series, I said that, you know, having Luka back this game compared to the next game would be totally different. And they would have more shots, more great looks. The fact that Dallas blew out Utah and they only shot three or 30 from the three mm. says a lot. That is insane. Mm. And Sorry, no, no, that, that was Utah. I'm bugging. <laughs> 
They they shot. Yeah, I mean, they shot, shot terribly. Twelve of, 20, of forty-three. That's still terrible. It's not good that's enough. Still terrible. That's twenty-seven percent, bro. Yes, it's terrible. But Utah, when they don't have that bread and butter going with their three uh, mm-hmm. point ball, that is going to be a killer for their team. And also, now that we have the injury of Donovan Mitchell and leaving the court. I'm not even sure why he was out there being down by 30. You're still playing your, your star player. I don't even know why you're doing that, Quinn Snyder, but that was another thing in itself. Now we have a possibility of him not playing game six and also getting bounced out the first round. That's crazy, isn't it? That's, that's, that is crazy. I mean, that's just a tough, that's a tough loss for them as well. I mean, he's – if the Jazz had any chance of even bringing, having a close game, it was Donovan Mitchell. And now, they, like you said, his chances are not coming back. I mean, the series is basically over. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. But right now, Utah is in trouble. Utah guys, trouble, they are in trouble. Now, let's talk about some other series really quickly before, you know, we uh, give our predictions for tonight's matchups. Talking about the Heat and the Hawks. Have you seen an instance where Trey Young has looked this bad in the playoffs <laughs> since watching him play? Since watching him drop our Knicks off last year? I uh, guess. <laughs> I mean, it just shows that, that Miami defense is there, boy. You got a lot to – Miami can guard one through five, EJ. One through five can guard in Miami. I mean, you got P.J. Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. You get a switch, the next man that switches on you will still lock you up. I mean, it's, it's just showing to me that the Hawks had a great year last year, decent year this year, but they got a lot more to figure out. I mean, Trey Young, he's just being he's being locked up. And I think I think I think what it is is too that because Trey Young is so frail and small, a guard like Jimmy Butler who can not only move with him, but is also bigger and stronger and force him to where he needs him to go. I think that's such a great, that's such a great asset to have for Miami. And, um, I mean, last time I seen Trey Young play this bad, bro, was honestly not really ever. I mean, last year in the playoffs, I mean, from the first series to the third, like, he, he did his thing in Atlanta. He's been doing his thing. I mean, he was, he was shooting threes, making crazy shots, getting into the paint and penetrating. He's just not doing that this series, in my opinion. A high level. So hey, it's funny because you look at the Celtics series, you see one or two players being taken out. Another series in Miami, you see Trey Young being taken out, and you just see all these bad shots that are being thrown up by the Hawks players. You know, some of them they go in here and there, but for the most part, bad shot selection because of that heat defense. And I don't know. I just feel like we have the best team in the East right now. That's just my personal opinion, you know, personal bias, I guess you could say, too. But uh, we are looking great, and yeah. I think we should be able to close out tonight, Game 5 in Miami. What are you saying about that? Miami and 5, man. You guys, are playing, you guys are playing them again in Game 5 in Miami. I mean, I don't see a way you guys lose this game. I mean... If you guys are, if you guys can score in the paint that you guys did the same way in Game Four, I mean, you guys outscored them forty-eight to twenty-six in the paint. So I think if you guys can do that again, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a walk in the park for you guys. It's gonna be a real, real walk in the park. I mean, I know three is worth more than two, and Trey Young's a good three-point shooter. But I mean, if you're pulling from thirty-five feet away from the basket, Trey, 
I mean, I'd rather have you get the ball involved in somebody else's hands. <laughs> so hey. I think you guys, I think you guys have a great chance tonight. I mean, he's shooting thirty-one percent from the field this series. That's terrible. Terrible. That's terrible. New York, New York Knicks can never do that to him. But Miami's doing a great job, and I salute y'all for that. I hope y'all win tonight. <laughs> Send Trey Young home, man. Send him home, please. <laughs> guys he has a little bias here man stop the bias I man, man. <laughs> i hate Trey young i hate him hey i i guess so i don't know why they make Trey on the villain i actually respect Trey on a lot to be honest but somehow oh, he's become this oh, yeah. villain over the years don't, don't get me wrong man i love Trey young as a player i mean he's not scared of anybody he will Trey young's the type of dude to walk into your house and keep his shoes on because he don't respect your house Oh. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's good. That's that's, that's oh, the type man. of mentality that I like with players. I mean, they don't, they don't, they're not scared of you. I mean, they show some sort of respect to you at the end of the game, but at the during the game, during the forty-eight minutes, man, you're the worst enemy, and they hate you. They're the villain. That's the Trey Young is. He's the villain. That's why I hate him. But I mean, I still think that he has a lot to work on. I think he needs to learn that he's still a point guard. Your job is to not only score, but to Playmate, get your teammates involved, read Miami's defense, and be able to exploit their defense. I mean, that's what makes great point guards like Chris Paul really good. He's able to read defenses. He's able to get the offensive move, offensive moving. And I think Trey Young, he needs to get a little bit better at that. Hmm. Well noted. Well noted. What do you What do you think? What do you What do you see from your team this series? Uh, grit. I see a lot of playing at our pace and. You know, just the flexibility to switch on defense is pretty much what I love so much about this team. Last year, we didn't really have that. This year, and people always want to say he's not a big part, but P.J. Tucker, I call him floater game. That's my guy. The ability to switch on defense has been a great thing for us in this series, and I think it'll be a pivotal thing for us moving forward in the playoffs, um, assuming that we do win game five. But, you know, having the likes of that, a uh, great thing, and then also, you know, the scoring of Jimmy Butler and a guy who hasn't really gotten into the series this year, uh, Tyler Hero. I think he has to have uh, more of a controlled, better offensive presence as we move forward. But so far, I'm loving it. You know, we get Kyle Lowry back, he's day to day with the hamstring injury, but don't really need Kyle Lowry to uh, defeat the Atlanta Hawks for that matter. And the good thing about his injury is that we play. Either I don't, I'm, not, I'm not even too sure about who's going to come out, but either Toronto Raptors or the Philadelphia 76ers, and now that series is being prolonged, so I mean, need more time for Kyle Lowry to get healthier. It's looking good for my team right now. It really is. Honestly, with all due respect to those two teams, like the Raptors and Sixers, man, whatever team Miami Heat sees, it doesn't matter. You guys are going to be whatever team comes out. I mean, if the 76ers come out this series by luck and they end up still playing the same way they've been playing this series, that's an easy walk in the park. That's five games for y'all right there. Toronto, that's five games for y'all. I mean, I just think defense wins championships, EJ. We all know this. Defense wins games and championships. And that's what you guys are doing. Everybody on that roster, Eric Spolcher, as the coach, he's doing a great job with the defensive team, with the team on the defensive end. I think you guys are you guys are a big team. I, I think I don't you guys aren't getting enough respect as you guys deserve, in my opinion, which is every year with Miami. It's like, for some reason, people forget Miami's a team that can beat any team in the league for the most part. So, I mean, I think the only team that I can see giving you guys a hard time is the Bucks, Because, you know, Giannis, no one can really guard Giannis in the NBA. 
And Giannis, he's developed himself as a great playmaker, but I think your defense is going to be able to take really good care of that. That's going to be an easy matchup for whoever you come out playing, either the Raptors or the Sixers. So, Eden five. Eden, Eden five. Eden five this series, Eden five the next series, bro. That's, <laughs> that's all hey, I love it. I love it. You heard it here first from my, my, my guy, Mike. Mike, yes, talk to me about this Timberwolves and Grizzlies series. By the way, I do believe that this is the best series in the first round. You know, I yes. will stick by that, and I have been proven right according to last night's matchup and the sweep that just happened. I know what you just said before about the Celtics and the Nets still being the best series, even though they got swept. It still baffles me, but I'm just going to let that slide. I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself by talking about this series, which you don't know what's going to happen in each game because either team could flop. Even sure. team blow each, each other, and we're going back to Memphis. So, who do you like yeah. for tonight's matchup in Memphis? Do you think the Timberwolves can pull off an upset again and win in Memphis and steal game five and go back and finish it off in game six? I think I think the Timberwolves' success tonight all relies on if Carl Anthony Towns can get it going the same way he got it going in game four. Game four, he was a beast. He was He, he showed us that He's a great, he's a, good, he's a good center in his league. He can score. I mean, he was shooting the ball really, really well last game. I, I, but in my opinion, we're in Memphis's house, you know? Like John Moran said, we climb up the chimney. We want all the smoke, okay? So I think this game goes to Memphis. They go 3-2. I think home court advantage is going to be a big situation for both teams this year, I mean, this, mm. this series. But John Morant, bro, John Morant, I, I think – I mean, he won most improved player, uh, yeah, he, and then he gave it to his teammate. But I think I think John Morant is a special talent. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna show. He, John Morant always shows us why we should never doubt him. He always shows us you should never bet against him. <laughs> so I think this this series, especially at home, this goes to Memphis, and then when they go back to Minnesota, that's gonna be a good game. But I think I think the home team wins these games next. So. Unless Cat can show us and come out and score really, really well, so yeah. Okay. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got Memphis in this game. I got Memphis in this game. I have Memphis in this game too, but I will say that John Murray has to play exceptionally better than what he did in Game Four for them to win this game. Yes. Um, only eleven points. I know he had fifteen assists, but you're a superstar, man. We we and you're a point guard too. We expect you to have around that number anyway. But for you to drop only 11 points and to be carried by Desmond Bain, who, by the way, is playing a good series so far, but he's not super superstar in the series. It's John Moran versus Anthony Edwards for me. Exactly. Oh, that's that's your matchup for the series? Yes, because I, I think Cat has been too too inconsistent, and D'Lo has been non-existent for the whole entire series. So it has to be John Moran versus Anthony Edwards. Yeah. I'm a... <sighs> Anthony Edwards, man. He's gonna, Michael guess, Jordan. He's gonna be. <laughs> you think? Nah. <laughs> you think? I mean, he looks like him a little bit. <laughs> the way he's flying in the air, right? He's on the side guard, going going crazy in the air. I think. I think. Um, like that, that's a good point you made. I mean, uh, John Morant versus Anthony Edwards. That's a really good matchup. I mean, Anthony Edwards, though, man, he's 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 an up or down type of dude, in my opinion. I mean, one one game he'll have he'll be good, dropping fifty, almost drop forty, and then the next game he comes out with a quiet twelve or something like that. Like, but like you said, that's a good match. I mean, 
thing I like about Anthony Edwards though, he's a dog too though. He's a dog. He he, he defensively he's pretty good as well. I think if he matches up with Jeff, see me. This is when my inner my inner uh, competitor starts coming out, man. Okay. If I if I'm Anthony Edwards, I want John Morant ninety nine percent of the basketball game on defense. Give me John Morant. I want to guard John Morant. I want to stop him. I want everyone to show he ain't who we think he is. And if like you said, if Anthony Edwards can do that and Cat cannot like make like stink up the court, the Timberwolves have a chance tonight. But like I said, John Morant, he's just more in that realm of letting you know that I'm not anyone you want to play around with. So, yeah. Hey. It is what it is. Um, but I, I'm just so excited. I just want to say I'm so excited to get tonight's game, man. I really am. I told you, people. I told y'all this would be the best series in the first round. Y'all didn't believe me. Y'all called me crazy. My guy will call me crazy. He made a post on Bleach Report saying, you know, which is the best series. Most of the people pick Brooklyn and the Celtics. Y'all are all crazy now. I was right. Just say I'm right already. Just say it. Your boy Will a Nets fan, man. What you expect? He wanted the Nets to be the best series. Man. Yeah, but you got to be realistic, best. man. You got to be realistic. Hey, hey, man, go ahead. Take take, take Will to Home Depot over there and buy him a broom, bro, because they just got swept, man. Just get, give him a broom for the Nets. They, they stunk up the court. But um, you're right, man. I think I, now that I'm looking back at it, this series is a really good series. I think in terms of, like, competition-wise, I think this series probably goes seven. So. You're right. This is a good series, man. Yeah. What are the two best words in sports? Game seven. Game, Game seven. Always interesting. Always interesting. Yo, Always I love bad. it. In the, another series that has been really, really interesting, and I, mm-hmm. I was not expecting this at all, but obviously injuries play a role, and then also great performances play a role too. You have the mm-hmm. Pelicans and the Suns. Now, tied up going to Phoenix, and once again, similar to the Philadelphia 76ers fans, Phoenix Suns fans should be worried. They should be worried. They, they should be real, really worried. Pelicans are playing hard. They're playing hard, man. They're playing really, really hard. And they're going to, I mean, they're going to be in Phoenix tonight. So who do you have tonight? That's you, my question. Who do you you're calling have? the Pelicans? I I like the Pelicans, man. <laughs> I, see, I, see, this is, like I said, this is where my competitor starts coming out because I understand the Phoenix Suns are the best team on paper. Even without Devin Booker, I mean, they still have a chance. I mean, they're still the favorites to come out this series. But, man, I like going for the underdogs, man. And my boy Mike, I think you remember Mike from Jersey, man. He's a Pelicans fan. You know? Really? Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is playing good, bro. C.J. McCollum is playing good. And they're playing good defense. But I see, the, I see Phoenix coming out if – it, it, this is the this is the big if right here. If Aiden can mimic what he did in Game Three, if Chris Paul can mimic what they did in Game Three, I got Phoenix winning this game, home or on the road, no matter what. If those two can play the way they're supposed to play, they win. But if the Pelicans play that hard nosed defense, Ho- Jose Alvarado, this dude, yo, <laughs> I don't know how he does this. How do you how do you not see him in the corner? How do you not see him in the corner when when, they, when you get the ball back on offense? This man, this man, he had some really key stops on Chris Paul. He was playing really good, hard-nosed defense. Um, so yeah, I mean, who do you have? Oh, call me crazy, but I'm going with the the Pelicans tonight. Yes, call sir. me crazy because but what, but why what I've seen, why? 
you know, obviously they they had game three, which they lost, and we spoke about that off off air in regards to Jackson Hayes, you know, getting that that foul and getting sent off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, that was a big that was a big loss. That, big that, loss. I big know, loss. I, I think that affected the whole entire mentality and the whole momentum of the game either way. But what we saw in that game was still Chris Paul closing out, and yes. you know. As far as his closeouts, which are ha- have been actually pretty good this series, you know, hasn't been too bad. But when the Pelicans don't give him a chance to close out a game, that speaks volumes. I mean, last game they blew him out. Defense took over, had a lot of uh, deflections here and there, was getting after the point guards. I mean, you just mentioned Jose Alvarado, who pickpocketed Chris Paul, got him on his list. And I say to myself that, <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. I'm serious. And you look at this game coming up tonight, if the Pelicans find a way to, you know, be in the game, which they will be, that's one checked off. If they find a way to be up by six, seven, you know, in the fourth quarter, then I I, I don't really believe Chris Paul could do it again. I, I'm just not believing he's going to do it again this game, which is going to bode well for the Pelicans because every game that they've won so far, with the exception of game one, which is, you know, obviously the one game three, Chris Paul closed out. So uh, he actually he did he he closed out game one too. So I give him that too. But you know Chris Paul closed out. I don't believe he's going to do it again tonight. You don't think so? No. So I'm going with the Pelicans, and I also do believe that Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum have been playing worldly out their minds this series, and they've already proven that they can steal a game in Phoenix anyway. So what makes me believe that they can't do it again? I don't know. That's just me. So I just want to get this in real quick. Two, two, two quick things, and the second one's gonna stir a lot of it's gonna stir a lot of controversy. But first things first, right? Mm. Like you said, we alluded to the Jackson Hayes him getting tossed out the game. That was a big loss. I think if Jackson Hayes doesn't get fouled or he doesn't um, get ejected from the game, I think the Pelicans win that game. Pelicans would be up three two right now. But here's the second thing. I, I know this is off the topic of the game, but me personally. I kind of care less if Chris Paul doesn't win this series or not. I'm not really focused on Chris Paul anymore in my in my life. Really, I understand we grew up on Chris Paul and we want Chris Paul to be a champion because that's going to solidify his NBA legacy. But I'm not one of those people, or I'm not some of those people out there that agree that that want Chris Paul to win the chip. I could care less. I, I, I could have really cared less. I mean, like the dude is gifted. He's really, really great. But honestly, what has stopped him every year? What has stopped Chris Paul every year whenever he had a playoff team? What, what stopped him? You know what I'm saying? Mm. He had a chance in the finals last year. What stopped him? So, I mean, I'm, I want Chris like I said, I want Chris Paul to win a chip, but I, could, I couldn't really care less at the same time. You know, like, he wins a chip. Kudos to him. This and the third, yada, yada. Congratulations. But, um, wait, is, is Devin Booker supposed to come back this year? No, no. Definitely not. He's not. He's projecting not to come back. Will he be back next year? Maybe, depending on how it's looking, how he's rehabbing, but he's done for this right. series, though. So, here's the interesting thing, right? If the if the Pelicans win this series, or if they lose this series, the Phoenix Suns win, they got to play the Mavericks. And if Devin Booker ain't there for the Mavericks, that's easy. That's easy chicken for the Mavericks right there. Easy chicken. But... I want to get that point in there. I'm sorry, America. I, I could care less about Chris Paul winning the champion. Wow. Mike is saying he could care less about Chris Paul. I thought the whole field goal story last year was hoping that Chris Paul would win. 
Man, I didn't want the Suns to win the chip last year anyway. Mm. I wanted as soon yeah, as that yeah. finals matchup started, I had money on the Bucks. I wanted my boy Giannis to win. The dude that stayed with the team. The dude that that stuck with the team, saw it out. You know the one of the only other players really do that was Michael Jordan, man. Hey, you're definitely right, right about that. And Kobe. And Kobe. And Kobe. And but, D-Wade. But, I just <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, before LeBron went to the Heat, man, D-Wade had it. Hey. That was D-Wade's team. I think I think real quick. Everybody who's listening to this, man, look up D-Wade's stats in the finals with Shaq. Look up his stat line. D-Wade was hooping. Brought his team back from a deficit. I think they were down. Weren't you guys like down 2-1 or 2-0 or something like that? 2-0. 2-0. On four straight off of D-Wade, bro. Crazy, man. Crazy. That's he coach right there. And I know you brought up the Bucks actually about loyalty and everything. Speaking of the Bucks, breaking news: Zach Levine is in COVID protocols, expected to miss Game Five, which is tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's serious. It's over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think this also shows with Chicago, since we're talking about the series, right? Lonzo Ball means so much to that team than what people are giving them credit for. Mm. Not only is he a point guard stopper, he's a great playmaker. And I know you guys have Caruso on the defensive end, or Chicago has Caruso on the defensive end. But with Zach Levine out, Lonzo Ball is still not playing. He's done for the season. Can DeMar DeRozan get it? Can DeMar DeRozan get the job done, EJ? Can he get the job done tonight? No. Of course you not. You think he can get the job done? He can't not get by the job himself. done. No. No. Not by himself? Not by himself. Listen, DeMar DeRozan for me – and I've been telling people this. I said that DeMar DeRozan would be one of the scariest players to play in the playoffs this year based off of his regular season form and the way he was dropping 40 every night. But ever since that 40-point game that looked so far away now, it feels like it's 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 years away from that 40-point game. You know, they've shot terribly in, in games three and four at home. At home, which is – I expected them to get a game at home at least – and they mm-hmm. couldn't do that. You know, that's not good enough. And now you don't you don't have your running mate in Zach Levine. Yeah, I don't really see how he, he drops. Maybe he could drop 50, but it won't be enough. You might drop 50 to lose by 10. You know, you're gonna drop 50. You won't the Martin Rosen is gonna drop 50 just for Giannis to drop 40 and still beat. That's all people two 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 things or one one big thing coming from this from this Buck series, man. Put some respect. On Giannis Antetokounmpo name, bro. Please, people be disrespecting Giannis so much in the NBA. It's ridiculous, mm. in my opinion. The fact that you could talk about the MVP race and throwing names like John Morant, throwing names like freaking Luca and stuff like that, but Giannis isn't in most people's conversation. At least on the big TV, like ESPN, man, that's that's terrible. The dude is a monster. You can't stop Giannis. And I think it's just because people are so used to Giannis doing this amazing stuff every night that they, I guess they get tired of it. Like, what, what, like, what, like, what do you think? Uh, you know me. I, I'm, I'm a big Giannis fan. That's the, that is the best player in the NBA, hands down. Best player in the league. Thank you. <laughs> Round of applause for you, man. I appreciate that. He's the best player in the NBA. Don't let anybody know. Especially with KD choking up the series, the playoffs like this. Come on, man. I don't want to hear nothing else, bro. Giannis is number one. No question about it. No question about it. And 
I think this also just shows the show, man. We miss LeBron in these playoffs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that too. LeBron needs to be in these playoffs, man, because LeBron shows us every single series that you can never count him out. Nah, I'm actually actually, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I, I, I feel relieved that he's not in the playoffs. I'm not a LeBron hater, but I don't really care to be honest. And I believe that this year is gonna be one of the best years for playoff basketball, anyway. So. Whether or not he's in it, it didn't matter to me. I'm not really affected. Okay, okay, I, I, I understand that. I understand that. But back to the back to the Bulls and the Bucks, man. Zach Levine being out is a big. That's a big, big loss. Really, really big loss. I thought. I thought when Chris Middleton went out, I thought the Bucks were gonna lose the series. Or not lose, but they were gonna have a harder time winning. I thought it would go to like Game Six, Game Seven type of situation. With Chris Middleton out, but then again. How can I? How can we bet against the champions, right? Yeah. How can you? How can you do that? Uh, Nuggets and Warriors. So by the way, we're both calling the series to end tonight, right? I mean, so tomorrow with the Bulls and Bucks. Yes. Okay. Same thing for Nuggets and Warriors. Yes, I got the I got the Warriors winning. They're gonna be they're gonna be here in Oakland. They're gonna be they're gonna be at home. Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, lethal weapon three, EJ. Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, lethal weapon three. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, lethal weapon three. They're going to bring it together. I think I think with that series, the biggest takeaway is that Jokic needs help. Right? I understand that everyone's in the NBA for a reason. I understand that everyone in the NBA can score. But it's like the Nuggets, they relied on Nikola Jokic throughout the entire regular season that once they get him shut down in a sense, honestly, mm-hmm. he still had 30 points the other game. But I feel like Draymond is doing a great job of shutting him down and then basically saying to the Nuggets, all right, we're going to let Jokic get whatever he wants. We're going to let Jokic get the ball. We're going to let him shoot. We're going to let him go in the post, whatever he wants. But we all know that Jokic alone cannot beat us. Everyone else has to get involved. I understand they lost the last game, but still, I mean, the Warriors still had the lead with, like, what, a minute left or something like that. They had the lead. They were up at like two or three. And um, they just ended up selling the lead. That should have been a sweep right there. But coming back and going to stage is going to be easy dub for the dubs. Warriors yeah, win tonight. I don't see how they win that game at all. Mm-hmm. At all. I mean, I, I just – we look at the way they performed in game four. Devin Nuggets I'm talking about here. When they, when they performed in game four, you had great production from Monte Morris. You had some good production from Aaron Gordon. And along to have the MVP drop 37 or 30-plus points in that game. Wait, 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 wait. Former MVP or this year's MVP? This year's MVP. You mean? Oh! This year's MVP. No, oh, Mike, stop that. Stop that. No, Mike, please. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. No. Not you too, bro. Seriously, not you too. Relax. You got Yoki since you're MVP? That's a <laughs> why why don't you have him as your MVP? Man, I can't y'all give it to Joel and B. Uh no, he's not gonna win that. Sorry. You don't think he's gonna win that? He's not gonna win that. Jokic is winning that. I think I think because Jokic won last year. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, Jokic had a great season. Look at me wrong. He's definitely close. I think this MVP race is one of the closest MVP races we've had in a in a decent amount of time. But um Jokic is my 1B to my 1A, which is Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, things he did this season, and let's count the playoffs out because, remember, MVP is a regular season award. Uh, Joel Embiid, the things he was able to do to Philly, 
lead them to the number four spot in a, in, in one of the toughest conferences, the East, or in one of the um, toughest years in the East that they've had in a really long time. The East is one of the toughest conferences this year, or not one of their the toughest conference. Um, <clears throat> number four, all that controversy with Ben Simmons. You know, Joel Embiid was the only all-star on that team. And I say Jokic too, but Jokic was sixth in the West. We're not going to talk about that though. Joel Embiid's my MVP, man, but let's see. Are you saying Jokic? Why are you surprised? Oh, oh man, Edwin. Hey, hey, forget oh, about what he thinks, man. Yo, man. forget about what he thinks. My MVP, Nikola Jokic, did what he did on game four, and it still wasn't enough to really give you hope that they would find a way to win that game. Now, they pulled it out later on, but, you know, the performances of Monte Morris and Aaron Gordon, for me, were outliers. And a guy who I thought would be a productive uh, piece to this team has not been, which is Boogie Cousins. So do I believe they're going to win game five? Of course not. Of course not. I mean, it's not going to happen, all right? Warriors going to blow them out comfortably, and you just – it's funny because you you see how selfless these players are and how great of a coach Steve Curry is when you have Steph Curry running the bench. Steph Curry, out of all people, running the bench – to give Jordan Poole more minutes, insane. Who has, by the way, taken those opportunities and has flourished with them? I mean, guy has dropped 30, 29, 27. Game four wasn't really his game, but doesn't matter. He dropped buckets for them to really take control of this series. So I'm loving the Warriors in game five. Do lose Mike? All right. Hello. Well, yeah, there we go. Mike, where you, where have you been? I don't know, man. I don't know what just happened. But I was trying to say, Jordan Poole has been producing really, really well, man. Like, giving to your points. I mean, game he had a bad game four, but other three games, he's doing his thing. That He, went, he was in the G League, man. Yes. He was in the G League last year. Now he's shining on the NBA's biggest stage. Going crazy for the Warriors, being a great. Imagine telling your friends that you got Steph Curry backing you up on the bench. Like, that's crazy. That is crazy. That is really <laughs> insane. We think about it. That's really insane. But, man, dude, this is why I love the Warriors. I love Steph Curry so much, man, because you won't really find stars nowadays who are willing to accept the bench role for their team. And I think he really accepted that bench role. He really said, okay. Maybe come off the bench, but let me play the last six minutes of every quarter, and I'll give you the best I've got. Let Jordan Poole show you what he has. Let everybody get the ball. The Warriors moved the ball so well. They moved the ball so well, in my opinion. And Draymond is just showing us every day as well that, you know, I'm not offensively the player that you guys want me to be, but defensively, I think I'm one of the best in the league. You know, he's like he's like, he's like like a Dennis Rodman type of player, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So... His defense on the on the Joker has been pretty well. I think I think um the Warriors win this one tomorrow. It'll be easy. Easy game. I think I got them winning by like fifteen. I think it would be easy for them. Okay. But but here's the thing, right? Since we're talking about the Nuggets, I think next year when they get Michael Porter Jr. back, when they get Jamal Murray back, they're gonna be the, the they're gonna be a top three team in the West. I, I agree. I agree with that. And if Jokic can produce the same way he's been producing, you know. And I love so much that the big man position is coming back to the league, man. 
I love so much that the last two MVPs have been considered going to a big man this year. And That's last her year. personal biasness. I understand my personal biasness, man, but come on, bro. I'm tired of seeing people who can who can shoot from beyond the art getting MVP. You know, no offense to Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? Gian- Giannis getting the MVP, that was, that was, that was well-deserved, but I just love that the center position is getting more love nowadays. I mean, I feel like the center kind of died off a little bit, but now it's coming back. Jokic is showing us that you don't need to shoot threes as much to be a good MVP. Joel Embiid is showing us as well. Back to the basket place for back, man. Taking, I'm taking a page or two out of Joel Embiid's book, though, because that's my MVP. Hey, all right. I mean, it is what it is. And Mike is a big fan of the big man coming back. I love it, too. I don't really have an issue with it either or, to be honest. Like, that is just me, but... Yo, what a great episode with my man Mike. Mike, thank you, man. Coming on for the first time on Game Breakers. I felt a little nervous, man, but you know, I, I knew that you because you're my boy, you're gonna have my back a little bit. You're gonna, you know, you help calm the nerves down a little. I mean, I'm proud of you, man. Uh, everything that you're doing with this channel, man. I love listening. I'll be listening to you at work, man. Believe it or not, I'll be at work listening to your podcast. I love listening to it. You're doing a great job here, man. Really good job. Hey, hey, I really appreciate that. Can we can we promise that you'll come back again for Game Breakers? Or is, is it a one-done situation for you? Oh, no, man. I'm going to be back, man. As soon, as soon as I get the opportunity to come back, I'll be back here, bro. Just best and believe. I love best it. I love it. He has. He, he, I have your word. That's what I like yeah. to see. You know, that's what I like to hear. Yes, right. sir. Before we leave, Mike, how are you feeling about the NFL draft coming up? I think it should be a national holiday. That's just me. But, you know. <laughs> What do you what do you what are, what are your thoughts on that? Are you excited or do you, do you not really care? I'm I'm excited, man. I mean, NFL draft is always a great it's always a great thing. You know, it's a few the NFL draft is a few days long. I think it also shows which direction most teams go. And I mean, but since you know, I didn't I don't know if the public knows you're a Jets fan, right? Yes. Who do you, who do you have drafting? Who do you want to draft this year? Ah, well, I don't want to go into depth of my mock jabs and my analysis, but, uh, you know, I, I would say at four, I'm a really big fan of Kavon Thibodeau from Oregon. I, I think he he's the best situation. Unless we don't have a guy that, that we don't like aside from him, maybe trade it back, but at four, go Kavon Thibodeau. I'm over here mispronouncing his name and everything. But mm-hmm. at 10, it's a toss-up between Drake London and Garrett Wilson. I have to do more research because it's really close as to who is the best receiver in this class. But um, I think from a scheme standpoint and what he possibly could be, and you know, with less injury concerns, I would probably go Garrett Wilson. But I would love either or pick. But I, I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm gonna be glued to my TV on Thursday night. Best believe that, guys. I got you, bro. I got you, man. And yeah. honestly, I wish I could say the same thing for myself, but it doesn't even matter who the Cowboys draft. We're going to stink up the game next year. I mean, we lost Amari Cooper. You know, we he left. He didn't want to be with us no more. <laughs> and, I mean, we're paying we're paying Ezekiel Elliott big dollars for, for minor production that he's given us. I mean, I understand he's coming back. He's going to get his feet under him this year, hopefully. Dak Prescott hopefully gets his feet under him. But I don't see the Cowboys doing anything this year. Again, I think our best days are behind us as well. Um, our future should our future should be looking bright a little bit more with CD Lamb though, but I mean, I I, I don't have no faith in this, bro. I can't watch Cowboys. Right mm-hmm. hey. But I mean, 
like I said, you know, with the Cowboys, what can go wrong will go wrong. Every single year, what can go wrong will go wrong. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't fail us, bro. It really doesn't. I mean, we have great regular season, you know, and then we get into the postseason and just choke up the field. We stink up the damn field, bro. It's crazy. Real crazy. Yeah. But. I understand your disappointment, man. But it, it, it is what it is. At least your team has a winning record in the past couple of years. You know, yeah. my team is trying to catch up to that. Hey, man, y'all get there, man. I mean, it's all part of the process. You know, it's all part of the process. Yeah, man. Next year, Super Bowl. Don't worry about that. Next year, Super Bowl. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. You know. Remember, 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 EJ. What's that stadium called? Jet Life Stadium, man. Jet Life Stadium. Jet, Jet Life. Life Stadium. Hey, jet up, baby. Jet up. Yo, jet up. yo, my guy, Mike. Once again, I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Yo, it was great. The basketball knowledge is there, guys. I told you it was there, and it will stay there because he does his research. He does his work. He knows the game. He just buckets on the court. I played his game, man. You know I played his game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, I love it. I love it. Yo, guys, stay tuned for some more Game Breakers talk. We'll be back tomorrow with some more coverage for the NBA playoffs and some more analysis for whatever breaks that day or tomorrow for that matter. We don't know what's going to happen, but whatever it is, we'll talk about it. All right. Any last words, Mike? And R.J. Barrett going to come out next season for the Knicks. Man, he's going to hoop. I got him averaging 25, 26 a game. Um, Julius Randle, can I say he's coming back? Not really. But New York going to be a playoff team again next year, guys. I always have faith in my boys. Tom Thibodeau is going to figure things out. We just got to get rid of the big dude in the, of the stadium, man. We got to get rid of him, bro. Um, James Dolan, he's got to go. He's got to hey, go. Hey, I like that last take. I he's love gotta, that. He's got to go, Keep up with a bang. Adam Silver, write him a note, write him an eviction letter, get him out of Madison Square Garden, please. Get oh him out of here. Get him out of here. <laughs> no, that's funny. All right, guys, like we'll catch you out man. soon. We're out. Like said, peace. Peace.